Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. some reason this just again jumps out at me that I need to encourage you on Paul says man I I don't keep going back to the old things I'm keeping my eyes forward and I continue to press on to the goal I failed I'm, I'm not going to be drawn back to that I'm going to keep pressing on toward the goal of the high call of Christ Jesus I haven't obtained it I haven't got there yet but listen, I'm going to continue moving forward because the enemy, he's going to come at you and he's going to tell you, man, you failed there. You failed there. You screwed up on that. You said you were going to do that. You didn't do that. You weren't complete in your obedience there. And the enemy can beat you and I up regularly. Don't allow your past to haunt you. It is the past and it is to remain as such. Instead, look to God's will and the future that he asks of you. Move forward with him confidently and without regret. Pastor David warns you today that the enemy will try to use your history to discourage you. He'll use your past mistakes to convince you that you're incapable of future successes. Don't allow him to do this to you. You are promised great things by God, and he will come through for you. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Philippians chapter 3 as he continues his message, Paul's Prison Epistles. Philippians is almost always described as the epistle of joy or the letter of joy. And there's a lot in this little uh, four chapters here. Uh, But just thinking of the the joy, we find that word joy or rejoice, rejoiced, rejoicing throughout the letter. I'm going to go through these quick, so follow with me. Chapter 1, verse 4, always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy. Verse 18 of chapter 1, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Down in verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Verse 26, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Chapter 2, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Verse 16, hold fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I've not run in vain or labored in vain. Verse 17, yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Down in verse 28, therefore, I send him the more eagerly that we When you see him again, you may rejoice 
and I may be less sorrowful. Chapter 3, verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Verse Chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, my beloved, long for my my long for brethren, you are my joy and my crown. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. It's like joy after joy after joy. You think these, one of two things, Either this was a really pumped up church and man, they are just full of the joy of the Lord or they were like this really down and depressed church and Paul just had said, man, no, you guys need to joy. Come on, you need, you need to put a smile on your face. You, are you happy? Let your face know about it. You need to have that joy. Rejoice in the Lord. I think it's probably more the first though. I think that this church was probably a church that was excited about the Lord and excited about what God was doing among them. And Paul just got kind of caught up in this thing. I look at this whole book, and again, it's, it's a short book. There's not very many chapters within it. But I look at this whole book, it's like concentrated richness. And, and when I was thinking of that, I thought, of, uh, you guys know sweetened condensed milk, okay? Uh, you know, I could eat a can of that. I know I would be definitely sick. But I remember as a kid, we would make homemade ice cream, and they would put in the sweetened condensed milk. And we would always fight over who would get the can and the spoon because we would make sure that thing was bone dry by the time we threw it in. That's what I look at Philippians, this this sweetness that's there. There's a couple of really powerful sections, though, that really seem to stand out in the midst of it. And we're going to look at them really quick, really quick. Look at uh, chapter 2, and in particular, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now, beloved, that'll preach, okay? I mean, we could take a long time on that right now, but there's more yet. Look over in chapter three, chapter three, down in verse seven. But what things were gained to me, these, and this is after Paul has talked all about who he was in the flesh. And then he said, but what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. And yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And you know what the problem is, is too many believers want to stop right there. I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. But Paul knew that in order to know the power of the resurrection, he must also know the fellowship of his sufferings. 
being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. What, you mean Paul doubted whether he was saved? No, I I think that's just the depth of the feeling that Paul had. Man, I I just want to know the fullness of Christ. He goes on, look at verses 12, uh, 13, and 14. He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And again, if there's anything that we, I mean, there's a ton of things we need to remember, but for for some reason, this just, again, jumps out at me that I need to encourage you on. Paul says, man, I, I don't keep going back to the old things. I'm keeping my eyes forward, and I continue to press on to the goal. I failed. I'm, I'm not going to be drawn back to that. I'm going to keep pressing on toward the goal of the high call of Christ Jesus. I haven't obtained it. I haven't got there yet. But listen, I'm going to continue moving forward because the enemy, he's going to come at you and he's going to tell you, man, you failed there. You failed there. You screwed up on that. You said you were going to do that. You didn't do that. You weren't complete in your obedience there. And the enemy can beat you and I up regularly. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. I was hoping I wasn't the, the only one here. That's why we need to forget the things that are behind It's not that we take sin lightly. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we don't allow the enemy to keep beating us up because it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. See, when I fall, I want to fall forward. I want to fall in a a way and in a direction that it's the Holy Spirit of God that's working and moving on my heart, cleansing me, strengthening me, encouraging me to keep pressing on toward that goal. We, we, we look over in chapter four. Oh yeah, down in verses, uh, verse six. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. That's, uh, that's some pretty extreme words he's using there. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. But then we look on the verses 8 and 9. Again, really power packed here. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will will be with you. We've got so many distractions in this world, so many ways that our mind can go, almost on a continual basis. Beloved, if we could just get that, that, that verse 8 down, so many of the battles that we fight on a daily basis, we wouldn't even have to fight them because we're not bringing ourselves into that arena. It's when we bring ourselves into the arena where the battle is. That's when I got to fight the battle. But if I never walk in that arena, if I continue to, again, thinking things that are true and noble and just and pure, then I'm not going to go in that arena. And therefore, I'm not going to have to fight that battle. I'm already walking in the peace that God wants to give me. 
Verse 19, we'll end uh, 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 Philippians with this. Verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you see what a rich, rich book that is? There is just so, yeah, I, I commit to memorizing Philippians. I think it would be an awesome, awesome thing. Then we've got Colossians. Colossians, uh, again, letter of instruction, instructions, letter also of correction. Uh, there seems to have been some false doctrine that was going on within the church, and Paul writes to them here. Uh, they seem to have a problem with heresy. There seems to be, again, something moving uh, against the belief of the deity of Christ. Look here in chapter 1, over in verse uh, 15, in speaking about Christ, he reminds them. Chapter 1, verse 15 of Colossians, speaking of Christ, he says, and he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, rather thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Do you think that Paul has an exalted thought of Christ? A- absolutely. We, we look even at these words that we, man, totally, continually. Man, he's just, uh, again, exalted above all things, the power and all that he's speaking there. We also see here in, in Colossia, there's this problem with those that have been converted to Judaism from Gentiles. It seems like they were also coming in and saying, well, Jesus is a great God to have. I mean, I, I'm going to add him to my collection of gods because that was kind of the Roman thing. They would have all these different gods. Then when they heard the, the message of the gospel, for a lot of them, they thought, well, yeah, he's a great one to add to my collection. And it seems to be that same kind of an issue on the other side of dealing with some that were going back to Jewish legalism. Look in, in uh, chapter two, down in verse eight. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. There's not a multiplicity of gods. There is one God, and he is above all. And then on the whole idea of the legalism, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised you from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses and catch this on verse 14 and having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross and having disarmed the principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. 
So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are shadows of things to come, but the substance is Christ. We could go on through that, but in essence, he's saying, man, don't get caught up in all the law and all the tradition. He's saying there is a freedom in Christ, but again, he says, through, through all of this, he said, man, don't, in Paul's writings, he said, don't let that freedom be a stumbling, but there is great freedom. Don't let anybody be your judge on that. Again, seeking after being found obedient to the Lord. There's so much in there. Chapter four, verse two, continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And then he tells them, you need to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer. The last book, the book of Philemon. You need to jump over all the T's to Philemon. So you got the Thessalonians, the Timothys, the Titus, and then you get to Philemon. The book of Philemon, again, it's a letter to one brother, Philemon. He's dealing with the issue primarily of forgiveness. Philemon was considered by Paul to, to be you know, a brother in the Lord, uh, a beloved friend, a co-laborer together in the work of the gospel. But Philemon had a slave, and that was a common practice in ancient Rome. Paul's not dealing with the, the pros or the cons of slavery here. He's dealing just with the culture that they lived in, but he's dealing more than that. He's dealing with how a Christian man ought to behave toward another Christian man. The slave's name was Onesimus, and for whatever reason, he had run away from Philemon, and somehow he ends up in Rome, and he comes in contact with the apostle Paul. And at some point there, at that point in time, Paul led Onesimus into becoming a Christian. Look there in verse 10. As Paul is writing to Philemon, he says, I appeal to you for what? My son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in chains. So in other words, he had come to him while he was at house arrest in Rome, and Paul was able to lead him to the Lord. So the letter to Philemon is asking him, to forgive the fact that Onesimus had run away. And again, that could have been a really, really harsh punishment within the Roman Empire. But he asked him to receive him back as a brother in Christ, recognizing that as a Christian, he uh, now Onesimus was going to be of more help to him than he was before that. He's going to be a, a help to him as a brother in Christ. Look what he says down in verse 11. Verse 11, this is the one who was once uh, unprofitable to you, but now he's profitable both to you and to me. Look down in verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this very purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And so the apostle Paul then offers to pay Philemon uh, for any kind of damage or any kind of inconvenience that was caused by Onesimus running away. Look what he says down in verse 18. If he has wronged you, 
or owes you anything, Paul says, put that on my account. And I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand. And remember, we've talked about Paul, again, with his problems with his eyes, having the secretary writing. Well, now Paul is writing this. No, I'm, I'm I'm writing this one with my own hands. He says, I, Paul, I'm writing it with my own hands. I will repay. Yeah, now he, he, he offers to pay, but I love also the fact that he right away reminds Philemon that, again, in that same verse, verse 19, he says, well, not to mention to you the fact that you owe me even your own self besides. I'll pay if you want me to, uh, but uh, you know, I'm not going to mention the fact that, you know, all the things that you actually owe me. I love how he does that. Uh, now, we, we see in this short letter uh, that, that, that whole theme of, of forgiveness, that theme of reconciliation, uh, the power of the gospel that's, that comes against the evils even of slavery there. By the changing of hearts, both of the masters and the slaves, and so that there is a, a spiritual equality that's achieved. And the interesting thing, in the churches of the first century, yes, slavery was everywhere, but in the churches... There would be slave sitting with master, sitting with aristocrat, sitting with common individuals. Again, the commonness of the believers together, again, was something the Romans just could not figure out. How could you rub shoulders with them? Because I know that I was a wretch, and so were they, and it's only through the blood of Christ. You see, through these letters, the freedom that Paul had even while he was imprisoned in Rome. At least in his first imprisonment, he had this great freedom to be able to have this coming and going, the visitors to be able to write, to be able to send these letters out. But Paul's freedom wasn't dependent upon whether he had chains or bars. Paul's greatest freedom was in his heart and his relationship with Christ. And again, even as we go back to his situation there in Acts We shared it before. He dwelt there at that house arrest for two whole years, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, and no one forbade him. Beloved, despite his situation, Paul continued to be an encourager to both individuals and to churches. And even though the world had put him in chains, his freedom in Christ shined through him in in everything that he wrote and even as he ministered to these guys in person as they came to him. And it did not hinder the plans and the purposes that God had for him. The quick lesson that we've got in closing. What hinders you from fulfilling the plans and purposes that God has for you? More often than not, it's not physical chains. It's mental and spiritual chains. I can't do that. I'm not free to do that. I'm not available to do that. Because we're bound by spiritual bindings rather than being released and free in the fullness of Christ. May the Lord Jesus Christ help us to discover the greatness of the freedom that's found in obedience and found in loving devotion 
to the one true and all-powerful God for His glory and for the glory of Christ. God bless you guys. Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page see you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.